Welcome back to the second episode of our second season of the Roanoke Presents from Print to Podcast. I'm Liz Long, your editor and friendly neighborhood guide. Today, we're joined by the dynamic T-Fox, CEO of Fox City Music Media and Entertainment Ambassador at Rosie's Gaming Emporium, as he shares more about his journey from Vegas to Virginia. After that, we're gearing up for aquatic adventures, vacation dreams, and the anticipation of the Summer Olympics, thanks to Alice and Clark from British Swim Schools of Roanoke Lynchburg. And in our final segment, we explore visionary redevelopment with Roanoke native John Garland, whose transformative projects have revitalized historic spaces and strengthened our community bonds. Sit back, relax, and learn more about your region and the amazing people in it. This is the Roanoke Presents from Print to Podcast, sharing 50 years of stories that connect, inspire, and embrace the heart of Virginia's Blue Ridge. Our first segment of today's episode boasts a true entertainment powerhouse in the studio, a man whose infectious spirit has lit up stages from Vegas to Virginia. You've read about him in our JanFeb issue, and now we get to dive even deeper into the life and journey of the vibrant T-Fox, CEO of Fox City Music Media and Entertainment Ambassador at Rosie's Gaming Emporium. We're talking all about the music, milestones, and the magic that makes T-Fox a true icon. Without further ado, let's welcome the man himself to the show. T-Fox, thank you so much for being on From Print to Podcast oh, today. What a wonderful, wonderful day it is, Liz, <laughs> just to be with you today and know that uh, you like foxes. <laughs> yeah, we're on the <laughs> same page for sure. Already. But uh, it's been just such a pleasure being here today and having an opportunity to uh, answer some questions that you have and uh, share the love and the joy and the spirit that God has given us to see what we can do to uh, make people happy. Maybe I can get somebody some kind of direction on what they might want to do with life. And, I think that's great. Well, we've had a bunch of laughs already, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> we sure uh, So, and thank you again for being part of our JanFeb issue. Thank it was you. so cool to learn somebody wow. of your stature and background is right here wow. in our little city of Roanoke and all the things that you're doing, which we're going to talk wow, about. Yeah. Wanted to give, you know, without giving too much away of the article, because we want to send people there to read it as well, okay. but talking about a really quick, it, we've talked about how hard it is to sum up your amazing, like the first half of your life is already something out of like a movie. Um, <laughs> but so your mother and your aunt, had an enormous impact on your yes. life thanks to legendary performances, which I want yes. to hear more about. Yes. And I'm let's hear more about your experience growing up surrounded by talent. Well, you know, what's been really, really amazing is is that I was I grew up with a with a musical family. Mm-hmm. I mean, my uncle, um, singer, entertainer, um, also um, a military man, and he. Uh, his name was Rusty. That was his nickname. And we, his nickname was Rusty Nails. <laughs> well, that's an easy <laughs> That was his entertainment, yeah. <laughs> and then my aunt, Marietta Bayless, she is uh, basically, she was uh, the backbone of uh, the music. And when it came to me learning how to play the piano, um, I used to be at her house because she always had a piano there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, mom bought a piano. And then we would all meet up in the family every Friday and Saturday nights. We would all meet up in the living room. And it'd be my uncle, my brothers, my, you know, aunt, my mom. We would all just sing songs all night long. That's what kept us. That It was almost like food for the soul. Sure. When we're all like. together and we can sing songs like, you know, um, Songs like, well, we, we did like um, uh, gospel songs, R&B songs like, <clears throat> I guess you say what can make me feel this way, my girl. That was The Temptations. And I've been blessed because my aunt, Marietta Bayless, um, and um, my other auntie, her name is Sylvia Moy, uh, was the first female writer of Motown. So I did not know, as a kid, 
that, you know, here comes, you know, Stevie Wonder, David Ruffin, here comes Eddie Kendricks, here comes, you know, uh, Diana Ross, here comes these people coming over to Sylvia's house. And I'm a kid not knowing that these are like great that's stars your, that's here. That's your everyday Friday. This like, is that's, my everyday Friday and Saturday oh was to be around these great <laughs> Motown entertainers, yeah. which has wow. inspired me so much that my next show, March 1st, I'm calling the show uh, and I want you there. It's going to be called The Evolution of Motown and the Classic Hits of Yesteryear. So I'm going to do the evolution, meaning Michael Jackson, Temptations, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, the Isley Brothers, Lionel Richie. I sing 47 songs a night, one-man show, three-and-a-half-hour, one-man show wow. straight. So back to the growing up, you know, I knew that I was destined to do something, but I never knew what it was. But music is what just basically took me into another level where I did not know that I was going to wind up, you know, getting keys to the days and honors and wind up in Vegas and these things. Yeah, your I was resume in Detroit. is crazy. So he, <laughs> T. Fox comes in and he hands me this binder that's full of his accomplishments, which is just this incredible portfolio of work that's, I don't even know how to explain, like, the amazing things that you've done for every city that you've lived in. It really it excites me to see what you're going to do for Roanoke. You know, you, you've barely been here. I'm going to run for mayor. <laughs> I was just getting to a point in my life where I was trying to figure out, okay, I've done Vegas. And my call came, and Mr. Gomes, the son of Dennis Gomes, had passed away. And Aaron, he's like a, he's like a little brother to me, and I've been knowing him forever. He, he wound up becoming the vice president um, of the uh, Resorts Hotel, uh, young guy, you know. And when he passed away, uh, when, when Mr. Gomes passed away, his father... He took over. And my call was, hey, T. Fox. Um, I said, Aaron, how you doing during COVID? What are you doing? You know, We opened up. I bought a Kmart in Richmond. And uh, we uh, we opened up a gaming emporium. I'm like, what is a gaming emporium? <laughs> you know, it's like a casino. But, you know, and we're going to call it Rosie's. How would you like to come out and be ambassador of entertainment? He says, I'm building a... Uh, a place in um, in uh, Roanoke, Virginia, and it's going to have a stage, Fox. I built you kind of like a stage, so you'll have a stage, and you'll just enjoy it. And I'm like, okay, here's my chance to try something new. I did 20 years Vegas, you know, so I wanted to try something new. And it was time to get out the desert, okay? That sounds, you know, biblical, doesn't it? <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way, but now that you said you it. Yeah, in the desert, 20 years, you know, and it was just time to get out. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So growing up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, I'm, I am I love the trees and the birds. And I, I was going to say, is, mountains are a big, big change from... A fox belongs in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> so what wound up happening was I, uh, I decided... Let me talk to my wife and see what she thinks. And she said, let's go for it. What are we going to do here? So after I wound up from Malibu, we got the call. And I said, let's try Virginia. Never been here. Now, my, my little brother, Rashawn, lived in um, Norfolk. But he had moved from Norfolk to Vegas to be with me. <laughs> you guys just. <laughs> so I wound up going <laughs> coming down here. So he's there and I'm here now, you know. And um, my oldest brother, Sidney, um, unfortunately, I lost him um, uh, in a car accident. Uh, he had, he had uh, almost 10 kids, you know, 
and we were able to uh, help raise three of the kids mm-hmm. and me and my wife and um, they went on about their thing all the kids are doing great everybody's doing great we almost got like 25 nieces and nephews so it's a like, lot more singers <laughs> for the family choir oh <laughs> my got, gosh i got jackson five time 10 <laughs> time 20 time 30 but i think what was really important was to try something new um when something touches your soul to try try it and so i said well what do we got to lose right now i can go there i can i can see what this is like here and then all of a sudden we came during the the spring and i haven't seen you know uh, uh hummingbirds and stuff like that in years you know so the forest and i'm i love taking walks in forest so we found a place, we fell in love with the place, and it reminded us of Michigan. My wife and I graduated from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. I decided, you know, to just enjoy doing what I do, and I met like Joe Jackson and, and Prince, and these guys would come through, through Vegas, and I think really what made me excited about Vegas was I wanted to meet Wayne Newton. For some reason. I, well, I'm so glad that yeah. you hit on this okay. because the Roanoke connection yeah. is just wonderfully full circle. Yes. And I hear that he even has a copy of the Jan Feb yes, issue. Yes, he does. Because <laughs> <laughs> when somebody told me that, I was like, uh, I'm sorry, you're going to have to back up and repeat that sentence for me. Like Wayne Newton has a copy of the Roanoke. That is one of the coolest things I've heard all year. Because <laughs> he's from here. Right. And I didn't know I I never I didn't know in a million years this man was from here. Now okay. this is this is the crazy part. My show is in in at the Tropicana, upstairs, and Wayne's was downstairs. I come down to see his show, and then when I was done before my show started, because I started later than Wayne, Wayne would come up and see my show. He go, hey T Fox, how you doing? You know he sounds like Catherine Hepburn a little bit, but he'd say <laughs> T Fox is one of the greatest entertainers, and I'm gonna come downstairs, and he would tell all of his audience to go upstairs and see me. I love that he was supporting his fellow he, artists. Oh, he supported me to the point where he gave me his dressing room, the key to his dressing room, because I got kicked out of my dressing room for chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that's a long that old story, but. The, <laughs> Yeah, it was just a game that they had, and, and uh, they had nowhere to put the chickens. <laughs> and uh, Wayne heard about it and said, T-Fox, uh, what are you doing? I was changing in my, in, you know, in my, uh, in my car one night. And he says, here's the keys to my dressing room. You can have my dressing room. I'm not there during that time. And he gave me the keys to the dressing room. And since then, he became Uncle Wayne to me. I love that. That's how that happened. And we've been friends ever since. And then when I did Resorts Hotel in Atlantic City, um, my show was called The House Party, which I do now, but it's a smaller version because mm-hmm. I had a 60-foot stage. I turned the whole stage into a living room. And literally, that's why I call it The House Party. <laughs> and it means something to me. It was kind of like a personal thing to come up with the word house party because, like I told you, F-A-I-T-H, father always in the house. So I kind of ran like a musical ministry kind of thing. You can't lose when you sing Temptations, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson. Not unlike Jackson, your Prince. Friday family gatherings no, either at right? home. Uh-uh. That's lovely. You know? So that's what it was. It was that's, that's, that's deep that you said that because <laughs> it was kind of like it made me feel comfortable mm-hmm. to make my stage look like a living room. And then I had a big old screen, so I was able to put the tributes to Michael Jackson on the screen while I sing his songs. And um, 
It was called The House Party, and I, it was a 1,500-seater, two shows a night, three nights a week, sold-out shows. That's a lot. That's a lot. But sold out, 1,500. I'm like, this many people really like me, you know, that they're coming back and they're coming back. I've been here now for a year, and in one year, I have more friends here and more fans here than I ever had in Vegas. Ugh, that's the perfect way to describe Roanoke, honestly. I'm biased, big fan. But, you know, it, it's one of those things that everyone talks about the community and how welcoming and it's Well, it's a Bible Belt community. It is, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a community where people are real. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nothing. There's, there's no big heads here. Everybody's living in the country. Yeah. We don't have quite the glitz and spotlight of Vegas, but, you know. That's why Vegas came to Virginia. <laughs> I love it. And so when you're in Roanoke, you and your wife and that sweet little dog that I just saw around the corner. Spirit. <laughs> My baby. What do you guys do when you're hanging around, when you're not performing? What do you what do you spend your time? You know, literally being there um, literally almost 10 hours a night, you know, um, four nights out of the week. I'm there Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, since this book came out, I must have signed like... 25 books in the last week. People are like, T. Fox, would you sign this? Oh, my I God, the it. article's wonderful. And, oh, my God, you made it in the Roanoker. And, well, oh, gosh. You know. Well, you be sure to thank them for supporting local journalism. So. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I told them who did it and how it happened. And Well, thank you. You know, and, and I love it. And, and, and it's it's an honor to be in this magazine because I never really knew what it was until I started seeing some of I think the first one I saw was this one here with the lady that's holding the food. And yes, I, for uh, Gina's Food with yeah. Flavor, November, and, December. And I was like, I want to do that. I said, I want to go over there and eat that food. <laughs> yeah. you know? The fun part was is that I had, you know, I thought I was going to get this little square. And I turned this page and it said, from Vegas to Virginia. And that is like... The ultimate, because literally it was perfect. V and V. When Laura Wade came to me, we were working on this piece, and she okay. says, "We sat down and talked for two hours. There is no way. There's what? no way I'm going to write all of this in 300 words. There's just it's impossible." And so we looked at it, made some room, and then it turned out to be this big, beautiful piece. Because once she again started listing your resume and the the awards and the keys to the city, not once but twice, you know, like. It was unbelievable. Stamps we couldn't we couldn't statues. skip out on such a story. <laughs> right. We haven't even talked about the stamp yet. Actually, so I do wanna yeah, I wanna talk about the stamp because okay. this is really important. It's a February episode. Yes. Kiana um Price Marshall wrote a fantastic story on celebrating black culture in Rono. Wow. So as far as for Black History Month, yeah. I really want to talk about this stamp. Yeah. Because this is such an incredible story. <sighs> it, uh, where does it even start? I, I don't even know. You know, it, it it's it, it's till today it blows my mind. Because literally, you're supposed to be dead when you're on a stamp. Your face is yeah. on a stamp. My face is literally, my father's a well-known artist. Um, he um, He's worked with Marvel Comics. He's done a lot of, uh, he's a scholar. He's, he's a history teacher. He teaches you about black history. He teaches you about Sigourney Truth and Martin Luther King and Frederick Douglass and, and Jean-Baptiste Pointe du Sable. And who is this man? Well, it turns out that my father's French-Canadian Indian. Um, turns out that um, uh, there's, there's a link to my family to their family. And my father said, you have hazel eyes and curly hair. You look just like Jean-Baptiste. And I said, well, they didn't have cameras back then. That's <laughs> 1700s. He says, I know, but they had likenesses that were done. Mm-hmm. So since my father was an illustrator and he was well, uh, his paintings are unbelievable, he decided... Um, to use my face for uh, submitting to the Black Heritage Stamps 
the um, they call him Postal Workers Union, and uh, he drew the picture, and uh, they took a look at his work, and they said, this is perfect. This is Jean-Baptiste. And they said, well, we're going to go on and uh, see what we can do. And the next thing you know, I just looked up one day, and my father said, son, you know, and, and to tell you the truth, I had just met my father for the first time of my life when I was 25. My father and my mom separated when I was two. Um, but he kept an eye on me all the time. He'd go, he'd go, he'd come and, you know, he'd see my shows and he'd, you know. Hmm. So when we came together, he said, um, you know, son, I want you to go pick up the 22 cent stamp at the, you know, at the, uh, uh, post office. There's no warning or anything. It's well, just he knew that I collect black heritage stamps. I got a big collection of them, and so oh I went to the post office. I looked up on the wall for the issue of the black heritage stamp of 1982, and I said, "That's my face. That is my face on this stamp." Dad, what's going on, man? You, you. Is that what's going on? He said, congratulations, son. I, I utilized your face. They they liked it, and they submitted it to the government. became a 22-cent stamp because they didn't know how Jean-Baptiste looked, and you look just like him. And they said, so they loved it so much, and they loved my face to use like that, that it went from that to a statue. It's just another saga of my life, which I'm doing. I'm putting together a movie. It's called um, From Hallway to Headliner. And the, all these things that has happened in my life, I can't explain uh, why God chooses certain people to do certain things uh, and things happen. I mean, I, I have what, you, what they call the American Liberty Sword, which is, which is uh, uh, I'm a goodwill ambassador to the armed forces. Uh, there's only three in the world, and I'm the first uh, black man that's ever received this award. Um, and then there was two more left, and one of them is supposed to go to Wayne Newton. So I might be the one that's going to deliver that this year to Wayne Newton. Oh, my gosh. So this is going to be something. But it's a sterling silver 22-karat gold pewter and diamond sword. And I think you saw a little of it. I on did. <laughs> the, but the fact that you might get to be able to share that with your good friend and family member, essentially, Uncle Wayne. Like, Uncle Wayne, man. What an amazing, like, again. I can the- hear him now. <laughs> T-Fox, let's not do Donkey Shane until I get the sword. <laughs> just, the, just the full circle of that is so wonderful. You can't write that. Like, you can't. I can't there's write there's no writer that can predict that. I, even today, being where I'm at, you know, it's been ups and downs and whatever what I'm doing, but I think it's the people who keep me going here. Because I could have go back to Vegas. I can go. I can go. I can do what we want to do. But we fell in love with this place to the point where we found peace here. And since I have peace here, um, and I love people, and I'm putting out my concerts, and every time I do a concert, I'm seeing over 500 people. The place is packed. And these people love seeing my show, and I'm a one-man show running a track show. Well, and so you had sent me, when we were preparing for our interview, he sends me a clip of, of the crowd singing with you, Sweet Caroline. And it was at Christmas right around that time, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it, I couldn't believe, like, you couldn't fit another person in that space. Like, you you're going to have the not, fire marshal get in there. I mean, this is <laughs> my fifth, sixth, or seventh show. All of my shows have been like Right. That. And the fact that you're bringing this crowd, this this... Community, black, into white, Venton. young, old, rich, poor, 
everybody right. the way the world's supposed to be. Because, I mean, Rosie's right. is fun, it certainly, is. but it you're sort of bringing place. community together into one space to really enjoy a moment together when you're not, you know, out doing different things in the casino. People told me they wouldn't have stepped foot in Rosie's if it wasn't for going there to see entertainment. And our, we have the best entertainment right now mm -hmm. ever. I mean, we're like number two in, you know, in, in, in our uh, community, number two or three. And, um, our entertainment is every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. We just started our Thursdays. Mm -hmm. But Friday and Saturday nights, we got some of the greatest groups here. Like um, we had bands from The Works to Minute Fences to, you know, Gerald Stout. There's a lot of great entertainers here. And I think that's another reason it kept me here is, is that I'm meeting so many great musicians and everybody's pretty much my friends. I mean, I literally became family to every band that's here because – I know how I want to be treated, and I would like to treat people the same way. You know, now my job is to take care of them when they get there, make sure they get their foods, you know, hype them up before they get on the stage. I emcee the night. Ladies and gentlemen, here comes, you know, the works or whatever. And sometimes they invite me to come up and sing a song with them. So I'll do a song with them, and next thing you know, everybody wants me to sing Purple Rain, though. <laughs> You look like Prince and Morris Day. Can you do Purple Rain? All right. So do not go to Roses and request okay, Purple Rain. Just, yeah, he yeah. has this whole <laughs> backlog of music to his advantage. Request something else. Purple Rain, Purple Rain, Purple Rain. So I just did it this past week with this other group. I'll send it to you. Hysterical. But it, but, but it's like, you know, and, and it's funny. I had a purple shirt on. So I'm like, I never meant to cause you any trouble. I never meant to cause. You know, everybody goes, you kind of look like Prince and you kind of look like Michael. And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that it's really great that you got people who um, enjoy Prince. I didn't know what people listen to out here. Oh, people love Prince around here. That I is not no, a Lionel question. Richie, Prince, Motown. Yeah. So, we have a very uh, we had a diverse array of musicians that come through. The interest between, you know, Berglund and Jefferson and Dr. Pepper Park and all these places we've got. Wow. And then, of course, you've got Rosie's, who's supporting local artists as well, which is also really important because we have a lot of great talent It really is. I mean, we're working with good people. I mean, you know, um, working with J.D., who works mm -hmm. with um, the Big Lick, mm -hmm. and uh, he does pretty much the booking for the uh, place. I scouted for a while, finding bands. And... Um, you know, we got a, a, a great general manager. His name is Todd Lear. He's he's like one of the greatest uh, people that you would want to work with, you know. Um, he's a people person, you know. Um, got a lot of fun people who work there that we try to um, entertain people by just letting them come in, let them feel good. We got good food. We got good entertainment. People can play the slots. They can watch the show. Free entertainment mm -hmm. on top of it. So you can come and really just get away. And people like going there because it's safe and because it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. And and this is where people can mingle. And this is where a lot of the lonely people go so they can have friends. A lot of seniors go there, mm -hmm. you know, who probably lost their wives or husbands or whatever and have nowhere to go and bored. And they know they can come there and feel safe, feel like they're at home. And that's my job is to, to make them feel at home. You know, hug them. Hey, how you doing? Tell me what's going on. And I, I'm kind of like a, I'm like a counselor there too. I'm, I'm really <laughs> sensing a big theme in your life as far as faith and father in the house. I mean, truthfully. So I mean, once again, coming full circle. I'm seeing it work, and so maybe I'm here. You know, for that reason, I don't know. I'm here for a reason because I'm still here. So you know, my wife, um, she's enjoying it. 
um, I'm with my, my, my baby spirit. Spirit's enjoying it. Yeah, he's all enjoying the it. Puppy yeah, friendly activities yeah, around here. He's a military dog, so he, <laughs> he's a he's a Dotsie Poo and he's like, you know, everybody knows that dogs are unconditional love. And, you know, he really has pulled through with us through the COVIDs and the this and the that's and the traveling in the planes and this and that and he's still with us as a blessing. You know, he's fourteen now, you know. And um so I think what's really important right now is to see what's next. And I know what's next, and that's March 1st Right, is going to be my next show. And I am going to do some very special things. Heck, I might even sing Phantom of the Opera's Music of the Night. <laughs> Nighttime shine, you know. <laughs> Not know. purple rain. See, you're know. so you have such an array. Oh, oh my gosh, your knowledge is like encyclopedia. I it's hope amazing. you can make it, Liz. It's gonna be a good gonna, time. It's gonna be a good time. One thing that you learn um, with this house party is you throw your cares away when you're in there, and when the show starts, your mind just goes into I just want to see somebody entertain, perform, and I want to have a good time and have my little drink and see my friends and talk and. And and it just grew it grow it grew into this 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 house party. So when everybody knows that I'm getting ready to do a house party, it just people come. They're, they're they're flocking in. Like I stood on stage and said, "Where did all these people come from?" <laughs> so they are listening to you. Mm-hmm. They are watching you. I I get on my social media pages, which I have, you know, uh, uh, T Fox TV 2024. That's my YouTube channel. So if you want to go to there, go to YouTube channel. And I have, um, uh, I'm Tyrone Fox on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We'll link it all up on your thanks on to the my page. Niece, yep. Yeah, thanks to my nieces and nephews, though. I, I <laughs> you, wouldn't have known none of You have plenty of family to help you I'm out a, there. That's good. That's I'm awesome. A Facebook I love that you've got the family there to be like, no, we need to fix this for you. Yeah. We'll, we'll make it exactly what you need to Get on that. Yeah, I love know. it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, I thank you so much again for being in our Jan Feb issue. This is like the smallest piece of your story that like we're oh, running out of time. Small, yeah. And I just can't wait for more people to learn more about you. You've been here for a year, but I hope that you stick around because I know we're all excited to learn more about you. Liz, it's it's, it's the story continues. Um, I'm, I'm videotaping uh, everything that I do. That's right. Here. I hear there's a document. Or a, um, I'm sorry, a biography coming and then biography. your documentary. Yep. It's got um, from hallway to headliner. Yeah. You know, it's about my life and the reason why I haven't finished is I'm still living. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good reason, though. That's that's a good one. Well, so again, we've, we've kind of listed where your latest shows and check you out online. We'll list those things online on our okay. website beneath our segment together. Okay. But again, oh, T Fox, thank you so much for Girl, coming in today. Listen, let me tell you something. And to all the audience out there, first of all, thank you so much for listening to Liz's podcast. It's a it's a pleasure being here. I feel warm here. It's like home. She's like my sister. <laughs> and and what's really cool is, is is that I had an opportunity to share who I am to Virginia and to Vinton and to Roanoke. So Vegas is now met Virginia and this is our this is official we are here. Yep. We have now just cracked the bottle. <laughs> yeah. Don't go to Vegas. Stay here. Vegas came hey, to you. Hey, Vegas is here. Uh, you know, like Elvis says, thank you very much. I'll come on down here, baby. But, wow. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming. Let me be here and, and share with you my life. And when you want to do it again, you just let me know. Call me anytime. And Absolutely. We can we gotta. do part two. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't say it any better than Elvis. So obviously, uh, listeners, there's so much more to come. You can learn more about T Fox's Vegas to Virginia adventures, his new journeys, what's coming up and more. Plus, of course, where to catch his shows at Rosie's Gaming Emporium over in Vinton. So be sure to learn more in our latest issue on newsstands now, and you can always head over to the to read more.
Our next segment is sponsored by British Swim School of Roanoke Lynchburg, the perfect place for swimmers of all ages and experience levels. Teaching water survival skills for more than 40 years, British Swim School offers a variety of programs for children ages three months and up to adults. Every swimming lesson incorporates their signature fun and gentle teaching methods to help inexperienced swimmers feel comfortable and confident in the water, establishing the foundation for a lifetime of safety and fun. Enrollment is open year-round and new students can join at any time. Learn more today at britishswimschool.com backslash Roanoke-Lynchburg. Okay, listeners, we have a special guest joining us for our next segment as we start thinking about warmer weather, vacation planning, Summer Olympics, and more. I'm thrilled to welcome Alice Ann Clark from British Swim Schools here in Roanoke, Virginia. Alice Ann, thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Liz. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so I can't wait to talk about all things swimming because that is something that I need to improve on. Um, so I'm excited to learn more about this. You'll have to come swim with us. I, well, I'm excited to learn that adults can do this too. So sure. we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I want to talk about the important questions about swim lessons because this is something that obviously requires a lifeguard and somebody on duty and making sure that you're safe at all times. And of course, with summer on the horizon, vacation planning coming up, it's the perfect time to discuss the benefits of learning to swim. It is. Um, and that's a great uh, seg- uh, segue because the the ability to know what to look for in a swim lesson, just like other activities and other curriculums, I feel strongly about it, mm-hmm. that you want to make sure it's the right fit for you and for your family, whether it's you looking for lessons or for a little one, mm-hmm. what your goals are, expectations, uh, the facility, et cetera. We, we really encourage our families to do their research and to take a look around. And we have, um, yeah, we just have a really great program, but also we have other programs in town too that we want to make sure that everyone finds a great fit for them. Uh, we're biased. We think we're the best. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but, you know, naturally. Um, but I do think that that's the beauty of having competitors and a really strong swim presence in mm-hmm. the Southwest Virginia. We have really great swimmers that go D1. We have wonderful um, Olympic trials coming up, mm-hmm. some swimmers who are from Roanoke. So we're super proud to be here. Yeah. And and again, we'll talk about the Olympics in a minute, but I'm thinking about, you know, the kids who get to see this on TV or seeing, you know, their siblings or family swimming in high school and things like that. That is where that inspiration begins. So yes. you got to start with your, your safety and it starts at every age. So I'm thinking about um, this time of year. It's really interesting because, you know, again, it's it's February. It's a February episode. So I know it feels like, oh, we're thinking about summer already. But this is the perfect time to start your swimming considerations. Yes? 100%. Okay. So we like to say just like reading or learning to drive or anything. I mean, walking, development, mm-hmm. um, any sort of learning process, it takes time. And we don't want to rush ours. Ours is gentle and progressive. We really encourage our instructors to connect with their swimmers mm-hmm. and students, no matter the age. And so that connection, that relationship is really the foundation of learning. And it's fun and it's encouraging, but it's also a hard skill. So we, we want to make Make sure that they have time to learn and love it and those happen at the same time for us so it's not a um it's not a challenge before connection mm-hmm. it's really that connection that leads to a challenge and like you said february is a great time to start i mean i'm biased i'd say september is a great time right to start. year round for you <laughs> but the uh but the beauty is is you can join us anytime so we're open enrollment we enroll daily weekly and that uh that gets you started whenever you're ready and we like to say whenever you start to think about it or maybe you have a little bit of anxiety for yourself or for others, that's when you should look for lessons. Hmm. That's a good call. And so especially, you know, survival swim skills, um, especially for young kids are really crucial because some of us, you know, we we just want to swim for the fun of it, maybe not necessarily for the Olympics. Um, But of course, we need to think about why the skills are so important and how they differ from traditional swimming lessons. 100%. So uh, that's a great point. The survival piece is uh, usually brought up in a 
maybe a time where you realize, oh, we're going on vacation mm-hmm. or uh, our parents have um, a pool rented or we're going to the lake or mm-hmm. we live right by Smith Mountain Lake. But there's also water safety everywhere. The bathtub, um, uh, toilets, anywhere there's honestly two inches or more of mm-hmm. water can pose a drowning risk. And that is really scary if you don't know the education or the empowering knowledge to be empowered versus uh, fearful, to mm-hmm. be honest. And um, our skills to be able to jump in, roll over and float, call for help and backstroke to safety start on day one so we're doing back floats with as young as three months old hmm. getting them used to that position realizing that the water actually holds up their body um, our hand holds our skills that we teach really focus on that muscle memory mm-hmm. so that they get it right from the jump so even if they're not speaking maybe they're not walking maybe it doesn't seem like that learning is really possible I'm a former educator and I love uh, everything development so that you know I love kind of empowering parents mm-hmm. and non-parents to know that everyone's learning every observation every uh intake of you know all these uh environmental factors Mm -hmm. that's learning so we like to say we're social but in a small group setting and uh that survival skill starts on day one with us yeah that's so interesting so i mean me as a full-grown adult i'm not a strong swimmer i i love it i think it's great but like i need lessons in making sure that i have more than just my life vest right sure. at hand. Um, and so I think that's really interesting. I love that you're covering all sorts of age groups. Can you share a little more about that? Because yeah. I, when I heard about it, I was like, oh, what a great program for kids. And then Oh, wait a minute, I can sign up for this. How yes. cool. Yeah. So the uh, ability-based versus age-based is really important for us. So we like to say we meet someone where they are, no matter their age. Mm-hmm. And we have ability groups where we have adaptive aquatics for special abilities. We have a uh, young adult program for any age, usually between t- 10 to 18 mm-hmm. or uh, 13 to 18. They may not be a great fit for our younger classes. And because we're ability-based, sure. we know that they may feel better with a teenage group and a mm-hmm. peer group as well as adults we have some swimmers who are as young as 22 and as old as 85 from our uh Love it. actually a, our beautiful facility over at Brandon Oaks mm-hmm. on their retirement campus we had a senior swimming with us um and that was amazing to see that our lesson works for everyone when we meet them where they are our curriculum is um, pretty strict in the sense that we have really research-based techniques, but getting to know the person and an adult specifically, we get to talk with them, converse with them. What are your goals? What are your fears? Um, maybe tell me about an experience you had that um, brought you here today. Oh, interesting. Positive or negative. I love that you're making it really personalized. It's yeah. not just, we're going to throw you in the water and yeah. <laughs> you know, see what happens. <laughs> Some of us had that experience where you yeah, me too. <laughs> thinking back on my own, like, how did I learn to swim? I think I just was thrown to the swim team at like age five or something something that yeah. they assumed that that was going to be successful and luckily it was right. but <laughs> luck I think um and that and that too that our uh kind of the beauty of it and again I'm biased is that we have a curriculum that's founded and it's a 40 year old program from Great Britain mm-hmm. from Manchester originally hence the name but it also is personalized with each instructor our instructors are uh, trained through a 40 hour Um, training course that we do that Mm -hmm. we get to say we stamp the approval we do ongoing in-services we do professional development um, all sorts of personalities it's diverse it's um, in age and um, interest and personality style but finding that fit for the right student we like to say that 
that's where the success comes from. Yeah. The personalized piece, the human connection, and then the skills and the challenge comes next. Yeah. All the way through stroke development. So that's that's the cool part too, is then if they um, become a safer swimmer, we get to celebrate them. We do an on-deck celebration. They get a picture. We get to really kind of um, show them and show them off at the pool. And then they come back the next week in that new level right away. So right. they get to then learn the four strokes and get stronger and uh, and you find endurance, et cetera. And I love that it's, you know, swimming is, again, you don't just jump in the pool and run, you know, swim with no. it, right? Um, and it's sort of like training for a marathon or, or strength training and going, you know, you really have these levels that you have to accomplish before you can just suddenly be the best at the top. Definitely, like, definitely. That yeah. growth trajectory is also uh, one of my favorite pieces of it is helping parents understand that uh, good days and bad days happen at the pool too. Mm. Good days and bad days happen. Um, we have, you know, some skills regress um, due to developmental changes. So all of a sudden, a student's learning to read, or they are super tired after uh, another practice. Mm -hmm. We do some um, cross training and some uh, uh, some athletes that come after practice. This is another thing. So that leads to exhaustion and so right. we say but, but that's realistic that's real life mm -hmm. and that happens and um, we're here to meet them where they are every practice every lesson and with that they hopefully we're also giving the parents a real support system where they get to come and say man wow okay i see their growth i'm i'm, I'm wondering why this regression is you know happening or what am i doing wrong and mm -hmm. helping them realize nothing this is all part of learning and just like in school and in other environments, we, we get to be that real expert. For yeah. Them. I love that you allow for regression because yeah. it, whatever capacity, it's, it's they're going to be reality. okay. You know, yeah, it's reality. I yeah. love that you address that in a realistic fashion. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to, I want to shine a light on your, yeah. your, your staff and your people who are helping because I find that so fascinating. Like, I'm sure that, again, you've mentioned diverse across, you know, age groups and experiences. Like, how do you, how do you, find those folks? How do those folks find you and get to be part of a team like that? Great question. I uh, I love our staff. I uh, That is truly like my joy. It's what I spend my time on. My uh, aquatics manager is phenomenal. He had a background in both competitive swim and lifeguarding and pool management, mm -hmm. aquatics management for a camp and classroom experience. So he's our uh, director of all things aquatics. Yeah. Sounds like he's he really star. knows his stuff. He is. Uh, he does. And so then he and I help... Uh, cultivate a, a hopefully an environment that our staff wants to come to work mm -hmm. that they feel supported that they feel like they uh, have a camaraderie they have a sense of social aspect but also we have high standards we have um, a professionalism and a, a core value set that really we embody every day every shift and that hopefully they see a modeled experience from mm -hmm. their managers and supervisors um, and then they also get to model it for their swimmers and their kids and their um, uh, lesson learners and and then the uh, environment, too, is professional and um, welcoming. That's a really big community aspect for yeah. us. So we find them everywhere from we do job fairs. Um, we head out to uh, local. Um, we're at VWCC um, a couple times a year. We um, actually, Hollins has sent us a few really great um, students, which is awesome, Roanoke College. So uh, uh, we have everyone from students to actual teachers who are in the classroom during the day, um, professionals, and uh, everything in between. It's wow. experience or not, which is cool because we teach uh, the, you know, front to back. The That's interesting, too, because that, I love, you know, that you're, you're, <clears throat> Your direct your aquatics is essentially he's the guy right he knows everything but I love that you've just mentioned that you might not necessarily have 
a background of lifeguarding every summer since you were 14, you know? Totally. It's <laughs> interesting. And that I, I feel like in my own trajectory career wise, I like to, to try new things. Mm-hmm. I found that I, you know, would volunteer for something that I said, well, I don't have experience, but you said you could teach me. So I'm all game. I'd <laughs> love to do. Sometimes how it happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that I, I enjoyed that. And I feel like I've learned so many skills and different experiences that I either was good at, it was a forte or not. Yeah. Um, so we like to preside, we like to present that. And honestly, we hire on core values and that really helps us see, are they a good fit? Mm-hmm. They have to do with our um, caring, accountability, passion, perseverance. We like to make sure that those pieces are there because that's, that's non-negotiable. Right. You have a responsibility exactly. when you're in the, in the pool in the swimming area exactly and then that commitment to learning and that you know ability to be a part of a team and then learn continually we have a high standard too where just because you made it through training doesn't mean you're never gonna you're not done thing (laughs) um and that too we've that's what makes us want to come to work we always joke that we get to build a team and we want to make sure we want to be where the team is yes you know the beauty of being a manager and a hiring manager so um We've loved it. The staffing piece has been really a great joy. And I think hopefully as we grow, uh, we're hopefully going to be out at Smith Mountain Lake as soon as the summer and uh, Botetot. So we'll be needing more and more staff and really quali- quality um, hires. So send anyone our way. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And you guys, let's talk about your growth for a minute. Because yeah. so you mentioned before we started that you're from L.A. Yes. And so well, from here, but we lived from, in L.A. Okay, per- well, welcome back. We're so glad to Thank have you. you. So when you came back. What was it that you said, I got to do this? And now not only just the one space, but you're growing exponentially, it sounds like. Yeah, good question. So I was in education and I did consulting and all sorts of support for families and parents outside of the school setting, Um, kind of uh, working for myself, whatever they needed. So I felt like I could um, help students and families in ways that their schools or even other um, aspects just couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I really, that was like my pride and joy. And when we returned to Roanoke, I had had uh, my second daughter and was looking for swim lessons. Mm -hmm. And the programs that were here were fine. They just didn't have any space. COVID Mm. created a total vacuum for all sorts of experiences. Mm -hmm. And so coming out of years of no lessons or even a shortened year of lessons, there was a huge need. And Roanoke has grown. I'm from here, but I hadn't lived here in 18 years. Yeah, a little culture shock coming home. Yeah, so it was like, (laughs) wow, this is, I mean, super, super excited where Roanoke's headed and so happy to be back. And on the flip side, there are a lot of things that haven't necessarily grown mm-hmm. with the population. So I, I noticed, okay, well, I know that um, um, in addition to swimming, there were some other pieces that I thought, wow, the family support network has so much potential here. And I was I was eager for that, being a new parent uh, back home and um, not a ton of connections or friends mm-hmm. still here, felt really energized by that need and felt like I could fill a need, to be honest. I love that you're... Yeah, you're providing a really wonderful resource for people, but you're also creating community. Yeah, that and that piece for me was is everything. That's how I spend my That's free how it time. Tends it's to be for Roanokers, which I really like. Yeah, you you I find agree. yourself a community, and all of a sudden you're like five years in. You're like, wow, I didn't even like realize this was happening until it happened. I agree, and that gives me such energy, and is so important in my personal life, mm-hmm. professional life, that that to be able to provide that for other families, professionals, uh, to be a water safety expert mm-hmm. for local media, for schools. We have a free safety water water safety presentation that we provide um, in, in, in basically for those who anyone, parent, caregiver, uh, professional, um, school, uh, 
um, what's the word? administration, mm-hmm. um, teachers, the teams of anyone who's looking for extra information, we get to provide our water safety presentation. And that feels like we can do that for free. And that's our gift to the community yeah. is knowledge. And you've listed, you know, when you mentioned back in the first part of the interview, bathtub safety, like I, I have a dog, I don't have kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I don't even think about that. But like, how critical you know, that's pretty important for you to know when you're at home and something were to happen or you just need to know oh, yeah. what to do. Like, that's really, really important. So it's not just about being in a pool or being in the lake. I mean, sure. this is in your own home, in your own safe space where you might not think something like that could happen. Totally. Well, January was uh, Bathtub Safety Month. Oh, okay. So that piece is kind of intertwined with Water Safety Month coming up in mm-hmm. May. And really those, uh, I mean, as silly as those national days or months get, I mean, at this point we have like a national day for I mean cookies. Yeah, I I'm never saying no to a national cookie day. Give me a break. <laughs> Honestly, I'm here for that, but <laughs> comical. Um, but the bathtub water safety month, it feels like I I didn't think about that twice when babysitting kids, right? When my own siblings and I were in the bath, when uh, I was I'm an older sibling, so I have younger siblings. All of those things that you just think, wow, the knowledge is so easily transmittable it's such an easy Mm -hmm. here are the tips and tricks to look out for um here's how to ask for help here's the things to go find that 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 is just the knowledge yeah it's it's really no different than when the fire departments are handing out helpful tips for um like the the baby seats in the cars right like that's what i think of immediately um but even for a requirement now it's thought of as oh this is what happens when you uh have a baby this is what happens when they turn two this is yeah so that's hopefully what we're doing yeah so the safety there is so important just for your for your own benefit i mean not even just in the pool like you said exactly yeah um so are you a swimmer I mean, I feel like I, that's obvious, but I was. I, I am recreationally. Okay. I um, joke that I'm in our adult three program, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, which is great. Um, refining my own strokes. Yeah. But I hadn't. I have not swam um, competitively since uh, first grade. Okay. All um, right. But I have always swam. So I, I swam laps in grad school as yeah. stress relief. Um, we we have tons of water activities in our lives, but and we're obviously at the pool every day. Right. Um, <laughs> but I can't claim to be a competitive swimmer. No, but anymore. I love that though. Like you're not. You know, you didn't come off the Olympics and come back home and be like, okay, we're opening up a swim school. Right, like this right. is something that you again you found that the region kind of needed the resource and you found a, a place for yourself that yeah. you've made a community. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And if I can be in our adult three lessons with my own staff, <laughs> you know, taking direction from them, so can you. I love that though. Like yeah. you're really experiencing it for yourself as a student, which yeah. I think is really cool. Like that's a really unique perspective that yeah. you're able to offer and say, okay, you're talking to me in the right ways, but maybe here's some critique I can give oh, you yeah. to your staff. How interesting. Oh yeah. I've, I, everything's a teaching moment for me. Yeah. Whether they like it or not. They're pretty good. <laughs> I'm sure they love it. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. And so you're thinking about, um, you know, you had mentioned just, again, we've talked about safety. We've talked about, you mentioned stress relief Mm -hmm. that you were swimming. So in thinking about, you know, the overall benefits that we, we go swimming for, I mean, I know that when we go to the lake and we're hanging out in the lake, like that's for super fun, but what are other benefits that we can get when we do swimming? I love that you mentioned stress relief. That's so interesting. So the few pieces that we uh, love to highlight, especially in the winter are immune, uh, immune boosting, Hmm. um, making sure that your cardiovascular health is, uh, is a, basically a priority. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing low impact sport. That's so, key, right? I'm sorry. I wanted yeah. to focus on that for a minute because yeah. like I can't do hit. It makes me want to cry all the time. However, swimming does not seem as intimidating yeah. on my knees, right? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. And it's a lifelong sport. Yeah. You can do it. I mean, we some of our pool partners have uh, lap lanes, of course, the mm-hmm. lanes. And there are, I mean, all ages swimming laps right next to our lessons. And they, uh, the, regardless of age, they're there swimming, yeah. I mean, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Right. And is, I love that you mentioned Brandon Oaks. I love that you're mentioning yeah. you have an 80-something-year-old student yes. in your class. Like, that's Again, the diverse population that's showing that everybody can do it. 100%. Yeah, that's really cool. Our mission is to ensure that every person, regardless of age or ability, has the opportunity to become a safe and happy swimmer. Is like we recite it every huddle. We talk about it at, at length in our own leadership meetings. Mm-hmm. That that we really believe that. And that piece for them to be happy and safe at any age is paramount for us. It yeah. really is. Um, and so, yeah, so being able to do low impact sport year round, um, to have a warm, beautiful facility, mm-hmm. um, both our Gator pool and our Brandon Oaks pool are phenomenal. Um, and hopefully wherever we expand, it's it's also the access and the, um, because we're a shared economy model, the beauty of it is, is we can go anywhere where there are families and quality water. We're always interviewing pool partners, looking for a good fit, looking for someone who's looking to partner with with a community member mm-hmm. to impact lives, to save lives. And um, those partnerships have been so awesome so far. So we're excited to grow those too. Yeah, I love that. It sounds like you have a lot of great options in the area, which I might not have thought about, you know, like offhand. Sure. Um, and of course, when you think about swimming, you are thinking about like the beach and the pools. But like, I love that you've mentioned the lake because mm-hmm. obviously a bunch of us are up there over the summer oh, yeah. months and making sure that you're safe and that you can get through those situations or just swim and have fun. Those sure. are really important. Yeah. And that um, a few of those pieces too when I started to do my research for British Swim School and when I was looking at it I thought oh well of course there are lessons all over let me you know let me research a little bit right. and there aren't or there weren't hmm. I should say so we have lots of customers coming from Botetot and Smith Mountain Lake and um, even Roanoke County mm-hmm. Salem because there are uh, just the swim lesson world um, our competitors who are great they just of course had standalone facilities so we get to be able to uh, really meet families where they are yeah I love that and you it, filled a gap yeah. yeah and being in Roanoke ironically I feel like growing up we knew that we had to drive all over right. we drove 30 <laughs> minutes for uh, some activity and you know came back in time for another activity but now you think oh we have oh, so many great suburbs and expanding families all yeah. over the valley why are we you know why aren't there activities and restaurants and things to do in every neighborhood yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I love that you're expanding. That's super exciting. Congratulations. That's awesome. Um, And thinking about your success stories, I know that you you haven't been you know, with us that long mm-hmm. in the area. But I'm thinking about the the kids that are going to be growing up, taking your lessons, maybe joining the swim team mm-hmm. on middle or high schools. Um, like you said, going to D1, I hope, you know, I mean, you're really setting them on a path for success. Because of course, swimming is not just swimming, right? It's a sport. It's a sport that you're going to take a lot of lessons that you learn and apply those to your everyday outside life. Yes, agreed. I'm so happy you said that. I think that the the ability to especially overcome a fear or anxiety. Mm-hmm. We have so many young swimmers who come in super timid, which is totally reasonable. It's a new place. It's a stranger. It's mm-hmm. getting in water after mom said, don't go in the water. Don't go with a <laughs> right. stranger. Yeah, Jaws lives out there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. And then, the you know, the it's so funny. We say, like, our instructors are prepped and ready and trained for any sort of attitude, reaction. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the first kind of intake, even the first supplement, couple lessons for some of our swimmers can be really tough sure and for us to be able to meet them where they are and then say you are safe we're not going to do anything that I don't say we're going to do Mm -hmm. or that is unsafe and I'm here with you Mm -hmm. you let me know when you're ready that that 
per, for me as a parent is priceless. Sure. And then also as a uh, an owner and being able to cultivate that community where that, you know, peer observation, they get to watch their friends, they get to watch their peers, then they watch them graduate because every student graduates on their own at their own pace. So they say, oh, so-and-so did that. I love that. I can do that. Like a little competition. I love that. Sometimes that's helpful, (laughs) especially for our siblings in the program. But that, I do think that that ability to give them that experience and that overcoming challenges, I mean, that's priceless for life skills and, um, you know, their confidence, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about British Women's School. What sets it apart? I mean, it really sounds like you've, you've hit everything on the head. I mean, I love that you're, I love this idea that you're on your own pace and that you're not going to be kind of rushed into a graduation rate, right? Like you're really going to be able to do it where you're comfortable. That's, like you said, as a parent or, you know, as a, as a guardian, I think that that's really important not to stress the the student out too much like that because you're already kind of stressed from school and social media and all these other things like this is a place where you can learn and grow but not feel rushed into it 100 percent. yeah and the flip side too is that some students come in and they are skilled Mm. and ready and they are either quick learners or they have an awareness of their body Mm -hmm. truly in the water that is natural and innate and there's no reason to hold them back if week two they realize wow you're graduating well done you've mastered all the skills (laughs) and that's a good thing right and (laughs) because you know we get to say great you're moving on to the next we don't want to stunt that growth Mm -hmm. either um but like you said every student learns so differently that that can also sometimes be hard to hear because you say well just give me an idea tell me what's the what's the norm mm-hmm. and we we say we, we don't use that word it's every student is their own learner um and every week is different but we'll be here progressing them regardless so yeah. the progress is constant i love that because we can guarantee yeah they don't always necessarily have that option in in other spaces of their life totally. so um to be able to do that on their own and i love um we haven't even talked about the fact that we've talked about the pool we've talked about swimming um in that regard you know but this could lead to a whole love of water over your lifetime. You could go diving. You can, you know, do all these other things. Just being on a boat around the water, you know, like this is, you, you don't want to think just one mode, right? You're not just diving in the swimming pool and racing against somebody else and getting a medal at the end. Like, this is 100%. really important. Yeah, this is more than just one life skill. 100%. Um, and to that point, our aquatics manager, Cullen, who's our uh, star, uh, our listeners, hopefully, who know us or have seen <laughs> us know him well. Um, he is uh, an avid fly fisherman. He is uh, um, a boater, a loving uh, lover of all things water. We have another instructor who's a surfer. Cool. Um, we ha- and a diver. Um, we have. A, we love to travel. With, my girls spend a lot of time in the pool, obviously, and at my. Uh, um, uh, family's lake house and just being able to honestly enjoy the water, taking that pressure off of the parent. I can say as sure. a parent who had anxiety around water myself, that is totally changes vacations. It mm-hmm. changes your mindset. And that, that gift to a parent or a guardian is like all I can hope for. Yeah, that's really fantastic. Um, so the, the other thing I want to talk about, we talked about gold medals. Um, you told me a really exciting thing just now. So uh, listeners, we were thinking about thinking about the seg, right? I'm thinking about how to work in the Summer Olympics, because obviously, I'm that idiot on the couch stuffing my face with chips. So I'm like, Oh, look at that guy do a dive when you know, I can't like put a toe in the water without seizing up so anyway but you told me that you're going to the olympics yeah, yeah. this is so cool please yeah. tell me more about this so we uh my family is full of sports fanatics yeah uh between gymnasts and soccer players swimmers runners we we love everything you guys sports. are active yeah <laughs> and uh we also love traveling so like two yeah. ideal things we went to rio and uh 
we were supposed to go to Tokyo, but that uh, didn't uh, end up happening. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're super excited. So that, I mean, both selfishly because I love like competition. Yeah. And I love a good, you know, <laughs> fanfare and um, patriotism. But I also love that I get to then come back and share all of that with our swimmers and my team. And uh, yeah, I mean, win-win. All yeah, around. that's so cool. Have you been to Paris before? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So right. I'm interested actually to see how they're going to do it because I know the um, facilities are all over the city, mm-hmm. which should be interesting. The one yeah. in Rio was really well planned and it felt really well orchestrated. Um, public transportation, really friendly. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. And yeah. then you know, being able to come back to and share that with our um, swimmers. And I ironically will be torn between being British or American. I was gonna ask, okay, so I Color don't- schemes are the same. <laughs> I hate to assume that you're just going to go to all the swim competition, right? It, but when you're not at the swim, like, what would be your favorite activity oh, to, to witness? We saw ping pong last cool, time. Cool. That that's was, a good one. I kind of, like, dragged my feet. I thought, I don't know. This is going to be silly. Amazing. Got into it. Really yeah. amazing. It's fast. <laughs> I imagine that's super like, competitive. Like, barely see the ball. Yeah. Really. <laughs> and the, like, the fanfare of it. It's really That's so cool. Um, volleyball. My husband was a volleyball okay. player. Um, okay. That was really fun. Um, gymnastics. Yeah. That's sort of like the, yeah. the thing that everybody thinks. Everyone wants to see Simone on, yeah. you know, like, oh we can't wait. Right. Yeah. You, you got to go to one yeah. of those at least. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that's so cool. And and that too, I think that that piece of kind of that an invigorating competitive side, but also the fact that, I mean, uh, our program, we have a non-competitive swim team. And as much as I love a competition and that's my personality, that's not everyone's. And to have that option for swimmers who want to be um, in a practice once a week, they want to be um, growing, strengthening, uh, building their endurance, refining their strokes to have that non-competitive side. Mm-hmm. Um, we always say too, like that hopefully brings all swimmers, whether they want right. to be that you know, D1 athlete, future Olympian, yeah. and they're invigorated by that. And that's exciting for them. Or if it's something like, you know what, I don't, I don't need that pressure. I want to <laughs> yeah. swim. At 20, I wanted the competition. But at nearly 40, I, I probably yeah, I'm yeah. playing cozy games on my video games, because I don't yeah. want to like fight the bad guy. Like, I don't really want a lot of stress. Yeah. So the swimming, that's yeah. what I want. I just want to like hang out, have some fun, learn some safety yeah. rules, like make yeah. sure that I can be safe in the water. Yes. So how awesome. Yeah, well, we're here. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. And I love that you mentioned bringing back your experiences of the Olympics to your students to your community um a because it's just really cool to talk about yeah um and and b the fact that you're going to be able to witness world-class athletes and sort of maybe even inspire students again maybe they don't want to be in the olympics themselves but to know that this diverse range of people who work so hard they can do whatever it is that they put their mind 100%, to 100 and that they are doing the same strokes yeah oh my gosh literally that's so cool. I, I mean that yeah that kind of stuff just it it lights me up i really yeah. think that that uh excitement nationally um i've always loved olympic years and whether we're there or not at the Mm -hmm. games i think that that's such a sense of camaraderie and um collective uh i don't know unity that feels really special i totally agree for us to have a swim component too it just feels so cool and yeah yeah, so this will be our first olympic year in business because we've only been around a year so i imagine you're going to get quite a bit of interest during the summer olympics you're going to get a slew of people who are like well wait a minute i want to swim that's so cool like well we're here yeah yeah yeah, i can't take up the balance beam yeah I know. I, I can't do I the, like you know. Scratch it out. Yeah, no, I say I can't. Ping pong is probably pretty fun. I'm not competitive in any way, but um, but I love, you're probably going to get quite a few people who are like, I want to learn how to swim. Yeah. Like, that's really cool and I something so. that all ages can do. That's awesome. Okay, so the last question for you before we head out, talking about your family, eating, playing, doing in the region. Now that you're back, 
Where are you guys going? What what has been so wonderful and surprising to you since your return to Roanoke that you just got to go do it? Great question. So I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, okay. two girls. My husband works for a local uh, company as well. So we we love hiking. Mm-hmm. We live right near Mill Mountain. Uh, we can access trails right from our backyard. Um, so we spend a lot of time walking, hiking. Um, we have a really wonderful community right there. We walk down to Fork in the Alley. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Greenway right there. We sometimes walk on over to Green Goat. That's one of our favorites. Nice spot, yeah. Um, and honestly, the uh, I think the brewery district and kind of the revitalization of downtown as a young person, we... I, we went downtown for, you know, Dickens of a Christmas mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the art museum and, and maybe one other time apart from uh, school field trips. But to be able to go down there and socialize and family fun and um, music and all of that that feels like what we found in other cities. Yeah. And now we get to find that here. Um, five points. The yeah, the slew of it. It's been it's been awesome. I th- I honestly feel like five years ago, I would have laughed if you told me I'd be back mm-hmm. in Roanoke. And now I feel like I could be a spokesperson. With uh, my... That's what I hear from a lot of people. Yeah. And I especially love that um, you went to LA and you lived there where you had a lot of amenities at your fingertips. Oh, yeah. Let's face it, like you had a lot of things out there. And to be able to come back and feel just as comfortable and just as well loved and community oriented and maybe even more so I'm biased maybe you even have a bigger better community now because you're really ingrained in it being a business owner I mean I think that's really exciting that you're able to have this new experience as as somebody who's been here before yeah it's yeah I couldn't speak highly enough about it and I think that that will hopefully only grow with the recent growth uh with schools and families Mm -hmm. and uh, medicine and other industries our outdoors i I'm, I'm super excited yeah, to see Roanoke in 5, 10, 15 years. I think you're keyed in just right for it. <laughs> okay, so British Swim School for listeners, where are we sending them to your website? Awesome. BritishSwimSchool.com backslash Roanoke Lynchburg. Mm-hmm. BSS Roanoke uh, Lynchburg on Instagram. BSS Roanoke Lynchburg on Facebook. Um, you can enroll, register right online or call our office for help, for questions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you do tours or anything like that, just out of curiosity? Good question. We don't do tours or um, trial classes Mm -hmm. because the progress is our key. Sure. But we invite anyone to come and watch and observe a lesson. So our pool doors are open. Simply check in with our uh, staff on on the deck, our deck ambassadors, and they'll show you, give you a lay of the land. Cool. You can observe, um, talk to some of our parents and our swimmers. Um, So, yes, our doors are open. That's great. So you can come get inspired, whether it's for your family members or for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, get a little taste of what you're going to experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Alison, thank you so much for being on today. We so appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you. British Swim Schools, you guys want to check it out, not just for the Olympics, but it's perfect timing for your vacation planning, your school swimming. I mean, all the things that we've talked about, teacher kid leadership skills. Oh, my gosh. There are so many benefits to swimming, not just in the pool, but everywhere in the world. <laughs> yes, I agree. Perfect. Well thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing more about British Swim Schools. I have learned so much that I think um, you may see me this summer for an adult swim class. I hope so. <laughs> perfect. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Again, listeners, you can go to BritishSwimSchool.com backslash Roanoke hyphen Lynchburg to learn more about this specific location. Of course, BritishSwimSchool.com will lead you to where you need to go for any of the region that you're in. It will too. But we can't wait to learn more. Alice Ann, thank you again so much. Thanks, Liz. Great. Thank you so much for being here. And we appreciate it. You can catch more over on our website at theroanoker.com. Thanks again to our segment sponsor, British Swim School of Roanoke Lynchburg. Learn more about perfecting your backstroke, learning water survival skills, and much more at BritishSwimSchool.com backslash Roanoke Lynchburg. In today's segment, we're diving into the world of visionary redevelopment and community building with a true expert in the field. 
Our guest has been a driving force behind transformative projects that breathe new life into historic spaces, all while fostering a deep sense of community. Joining us today is Roanoke native John Garland, a name synonymous with impactful redevelopment in our region. With a career spanning decades and a portfolio that includes everything from grand structures like the Higher Education Center to hidden gems in neighborhoods that others might overlook, John's journey is nothing short of inspiring. Let's unravel the stories behind the projects, explore the values that guide his vision, and get a glimpse into the family legacy that continues to shape the landscape of redevelopment. Hi, John. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Hi, Liz. We really appreciate learning part of your story in our latest issue. Dan Smith interviewed you for our Do You Know column in our Jan Feb, and so it was really exciting to get to know you. This is the first time I've met you in person, but I've seen your name on buildings and heard about your developments for many years now. So thank you for the work that you're doing for our community. Well, thanks for that introduction. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're so welcome. Uh, so I'm curious about your journey. You are a Roanoke native. I am. And so what is it that drew you to development that made you so excited and passionate about it? Well, I've been passionate about, I guess, engineering and construction and things related to that since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I always knew what I wanted to do and I wanted to build things. So I guess I'm still building things and mostly renovating things, which is where my passion lies now is to, you know, turning old buildings into new buildings and bringing old buildings back to life that's what gives me jollies that's what gets me up in the morning and that's how I you know pick the projects that I do is based on needs you know not only for the buildings but also the what they can serve in the community so um, it's been around for a long time so I've always kind of been hit in that direction and you know various ways you know starting out with engineering and architecture business and doing that for many years um and then doing doing it for other people, so you know, for a long time I had a company called Spectrum Design, which mm-hmm. is an architectural engineering firm, is still downtown, and we did a lot of historic preservation and started doing a lot of historic preservation downtown mm-hmm. uh, in its beginnings, you know, twenty plus years ago now, and so that was a great learning process. If you do it for others, you got to do it right. So we learned about historic preservation and you know, the ropes you had to go through and the approvals you needed. and uh, Right, because there's already a lot of work to be done just in the initial building and structure, but then you're you're piecing this historical aspect of it into it. That's like a whole other level of importance and detail that goes into it. Yeah, and it's not for everybody. I mean, not everybody likes to have to go through the bureaucracy of historic preservation mm-hmm. um, uh, processes, but I think what draws us to it is because we really like the architecture of the old buildings, so we generally don't want to change the architecture. Mm -hmm. So if you want to keep the architecture and like what it is and you want to just bring it back to life, then that that gets you through a lot of the hurdles there because that's what the historic preservation reviewers want you to do. Mm -hmm. So we want to do what they want to do. So it makes it a lot easier. Right. I mean, I just imagine the the amount of work. I mean, you're talking years of work into one particular building, I'm sure. I mean, there's a lot of planning that goes into just that one spot. It's generally about a three-year process. Wow. And about half of it takes as much time for the design and planning as it does for the actual building. Mm -hmm. So it's a long process. Right. And so I'm curious about the article that Dan wrote, uh, mentions your involvement in uh, several visionary redevelopment projects. I was curious if you had any off the top of your head that maybe you're particularly proud of we could discuss? Well, we choose them because we really want to do those particular projects. So I like most every one that we've done. <laughs> uh, one of the first ones we did was S&W Cafeteria Building, mm-hmm. the former S&W Cafeteria Building. It's now known as Crafteria. Some people call it 16 West. It's down on Church Avenue. 
And that was a pleasure for me because I remember going to S&W Cafeteria back when I was a kid because we lived up on Williamson Road, and my sister's 11 years older than me, so she was like a second mom. So she'd drag me and take me downtown on the bus uh, to go shopping with her, which mm-hmm. I – I wasn't crazy about the shopping, but I knew <laughs> when she finished her shopping, we'd go to S&W Cafeteria to eat. So uh, I have memories of eating in there at the cafeteria, and then later it turned in, in, in the 80s, it turned into a athletic facility, and I belonged to that, so I remember it from that. And the lady who had the athletic facility, it's kind of a sad story for her because her husband got cancer and she wasn't able to keep the building mm-hmm. anymore. And then it needed a lot of improvements. You know, the roof started leaking, and... So we had an opportunity to purchase the building from her, and that one's been a, a real chore because it was uh, not one you turn into uh, dwellings, although we do have eight apartments in there, but it was it was difficult to understand how to repurpose it. And right, because that first floor has businesses and storefront. I mean, it's really amazing to think that it's gone from an S&W cafeteria to a rec center, and now, I mean, you've got uh, several spaces in there and businesses. Well, that's one of the difficulties of what we do is trying to vision what the repurpose will be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what we vision that first floor is kind of like a mall setting and it's anchored in the front by a little green hive. So lots of people come there mm-hmm. for coffee and smoothies. So that, that helped. And then Crafteria has booths in there for local artisans. To and sell, I love that. Sell. I went Christmas shopping in there and found several great little, you know, uh, stocking stuffers. So that was a really great spot to shop in. So that's one. And then we did one over in uh, Grand and Court in, in a 1920s English Tudor building, 2049 Windsor. And we did that, uh, did a lot of the construction ourselves, and I did it with my two sons. So it was kind of a all-hands-on-deck family project where we, you know, did a lot of the renovation, did mm-hmm. the design, and so uh, went through the whole process. And I love the architecture, old English Tudor, so, and I love that setting. Uh, one of the things I liked about that one was I obtained the old drawings from the 20s, and it showed an ornamental pond out in the courtyard, but it wasn't there. Hmm. It was just grass. So I got my shovel out, and I started digging. <laughs> And it, just it, did, put it, in there it didn't dig very far before it hit concrete, and the pond was still there. Wow. So I was able to dig that out, seal it up, and we put it back in purpose and had goldfish in it for the last. What a cool way to bring yeah. back history, though. Like, that, what a wonderful piece of history to a home. I mean, that's really cool. <laughs> and another, another thing that we really like that we look for is what I call former uh, community villages, um, sort of like the Wasina area where you live. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's another favorite project of ours when we can go into what used to be a thriving little hub for the neighborhood that had small businesses that served the community, but it's gone dead. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened in Wasina. And fortunately, it's very alive now for a number of different reasons, mm-hmm. starting with Ed Walker's work and then Brent Cochran's work. And then we were able to obtain three buildings in Wasina. And turn them into thriving business. And you got R and D Coffee down there now, and you got Bloom Restaurant, a uh, number of different small businesses there that are thriving. And it's just transformed that neighborhood, as you as you know, because that's where you live. Right. We we started a we were chatting a couple minutes before we got started, and I'm I'm super biased because I'm three blocks from there. I live right there, and it's been amazing. <clears throat> I mean, I think we moved in there um, not quite, but almost 15 years ago. And to think about the broken furniture and windows right as you walk by the the empty storefront and then now as you look at it it's really incredible and i feel very fortunate 
to have seen its growth and to witness the evolution of it and to to watch people walk by with their coffee and pop into kind baking and you know be able to go get a haircut like those are really amazing little neighborhood opportunities that i never would have imagined for ourselves 15 years ago in R&D Coffee, the building that's in, when we bought that building, and, and similar for the other ones too, as you mentioned, furniture was in the building. Mm-hmm. It was literally from floor to ceiling. You could only open the front door oh my gosh. and walk in a few feet, and then you couldn't go any further wow. because it was full of furniture. <laughs> and then the roof had caved in on R&D, and then by the time we got the building, the floor had caved in. Oh, so gosh. We, we had a big rubble heap. Yeah, that's a lot of work. And then there was asbestos in the building, so that piled on top of the furniture. So um, we did a mostly a complete rebuild, but we took all the brick that was in the building and took the mortar off and salvaged it and built it back exactly the way it was. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a really fun project. Yeah. Now you're, you're no novice. So, I mean, you kind of know when you're walking into a building you'd like to develop, you know what to look for, the things that might crop up. I mean, I imagine that can be pretty difficult when you kind of think you have what you need or what you're planning for, and then you walk in and suddenly there's asbestos or, you know, an extra step of something that you didn't necessarily plan on. Well, that's probably because there's not a lot of people doing it either because, Mm. you know, it is difficult and is riddled with problems and you don't necessarily know what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. And we've certainly had a lot of surprises on projects we've done, but we anticipate that you're going to have surprises so you put a contingency amount of right. money in there in there for dealing with that so yeah um, you always see it on hgtv you know before it cuts to commercial it's oh no we're out of money and you know we've got right. mold in the ceiling or whatever you know the floors are falling apart like yeah. you guys are you guys are not new to this so you know to plan for those things yeah you get to count on all those and asbestos is the first one that raises its ugly head and you yeah gotta, you got to deal with that and every building that we've had has asbestos right i mean you're dealing yeah you're not dealing with new buildings i mean you're dealing with some that have been around for a really long time so most people even developers as they look at a project like that you know there's lots of cleaner projects you can do that are more straightforward that you know a little more enticing but uh that's what we like is historic preservation you seem to like a challenge well Yeah, I know what it can be in the end, so that helps because we know where we're going. Absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, the neighborhoods and the community at large, but you touched on working on a project with your sons. And so I really love this idea of your business creating legacy, not just in terms of historical renovation, but you're passing on something to your children who they will hopefully continue with that path. Uh, I have to assume that they saw you, you know, they, they were growing up watching you do all these things and they were inspired. They, they had to join you. They had to do what dad was doing. Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope I had some kind of influence on them. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a family affair. My oldest son, Aaron, you may know him because he lives in Wasina. He's actually the owner of Garland Properties. Uh, people think I'm the owner of Garland Properties, but that's because I have my last name, Garland. But, you know, Aaron's the, uh, the manager, so he takes care of them once we finish them and gets them leased and takes care of all the issues mm-hmm. you know, going forward. Uh, Mark is the engineer, uh, so he took after me as far as being an engineer, and so he runs the construction end of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has a construction company, and uh, so and I do, and Mark and I do engineering on the projects to begin with. So that helps us in that uh, not only it's just a fa- it's a family affair, but also we get all the bases covered. So. Yeah, you really have a, a everything yeah taken care of there. So a lot, a lot of developers would have to hire out a lot of things mm-hmm. that we don't hire out because we do them ourselves, including right. the engineering and the development piece of it and the building and then the management and marketing of it after it's finished. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, I really enjoy being uh, part of a family affair. And it's also, I like the ability of, of something continuing. I mean, I'm an older guy, so I'm not going to be here forever. You know, I started thinking that way in terms of my architecture and engineering firm because most architectural firms, after the founder passes on or retires, the company just folds. Hmm. And I wanted to make sure that it went on beyond me. So I've been gone from Spectrum Design now for 12 years, 13 years, still going strong, still doing great work. And we planned it in such a way so that younger people could take over. Mm -hmm. So I kind of brought that forward with the development, too, that, you know, I wanted to last beyond me. And, you know, in addition to your sons, you're, you're mentioning uh, younger employees, younger engineers. Do you hope for, see that they have the similar interest in historical redevelopment the way that you do? Well, uh, everybody has their own passion. Sure. Uh, and I certainly think Mark and Aaron will continue on with that passion with, you know, loving old buildings like I do. One of the things I try to do when I have opportunities to be a mentor, particularly on the historic preservation side of things, so... If I see somebody that has inclinations towards uh, development, you know, I grab them or they grab me mm -hmm. and have an opportunity just to talk about what I do. So I enjoy passing that knowledge on when I have the opportunity. Uh, doing some work in Northwest Roanoke now, so uh, talking to a number of, of uh, young men in, in Northwest, uh, trying to get them interested in doing historic preservation because Northwest has a lot of opportunities, a lot of old buildings. Mm -hmm. In fact, our office is in on 11th Street Northwest, which usually is only in the news when someone is killed or shot. Uh, so we purposely put our offices down at 11th Street Northwest because, again, that was the center of a community village back in the day. It's a community village back when I was a kid and had one of everything. The building we're in now used to be a Triumph motorcycle dealership. It's right next door to where Northwest Hardware started, which mm -hmm. is now everywhere. They're on Williamson Road now, their primary store. It had uh, TV shops, laundries, banks, uh, hobby shops, a uh, little bit of everything. But over the years, it just all passed away. So we're trying to be a catalyst down there, too, to get things started. Uh, it's been going pretty slow. Uh, but a few things have been done, so we're looking forward to what might happen later, you know, as we go forward. Well, and it's important you're taking that initiative because, you know, if, if nobody else does, then it will continue to, you know, get a bad reputation. That's not necessarily something you, right. we need to have happen. So that's, you know, you're being the change you wish to see in the world, as the quote goes. So I think that's very interesting. So that's one of the things we focus on. We try to find buildings that will be... Um, uh, community transformational as well mm -hmm. and what better place than a former community village you right. know, like Wasina. And there's so much history there. I mean, right. in so many neighborhoods around Roanoke, but truly a lot of history there. Well, that's exciting. And so in, going back to, again, sort of your family and involving <clears throat> in that legacy, I'm curious about sort of how you envision the future of that. Again, you're, you're talking about passing this on. You know, do you see your, your grandkids getting involved in this, hopefully, type of idea? Well, I've got six grandkids, <laughs> okay. so there's a pretty good chance. <laughs> yeah, good odds. Uh, real good chance for Aaron's two girls. You know, I got he's got two girls that uh, uh, I have no idea what their pursuits will be, mm -hmm. but of course they see, you know, what I'm doing. They see what their father's doing, so there may be an inspiration there as well. And Certainly. Mark has a, a new boy that's less than a year old. Oh, so congratulations! Can't quite determine what he'll be when he grows <laughs> up, but. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a chance, and I know Mark will be and Aaron will be involved parents, so if you're involved parents, you tend to influence, and they tend to kind of 
gravitate towards what you enjoy doing. So hopefully right. they, they will. But I love that the family is clearly inspired and motivated to not just grow up in Roanoke, but to give back to Roanoke in the way that you're doing. So I think that that's certainly inspiring, not just to your own family members, but to others as well. Well, I love Roanoke. Uh, when I was in college at Tech, uh, I used to call Roanoke the hub of the universe. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Again, biased, <laughs> but I agree with that statement. <laughs> so I still refer to it as a hub. So um this is where I've lived most of my life, so mm-hmm. I love it. Well, so let's pivot a little bit. We did talk about Wasina and, and other projects. Some of the things that might have been overlooked to begin with, you know, years back, again, Wasina is a good example because I'm so familiar with it. But, you know, in terms of challenges and rewards of unique projects, you know, what do you find to be some of the biggest challenges? Maybe not asbestos, mm-hmm. but, you know, is it is it the finding the building, the initial sort of redevelopment and zoning and those things? Well, you know, I've done a lot in Roanoke, but we're doing a lot in Martinsville area right now, mm-hmm. uh, which is good, but I would really prefer to be in Roanoke. But the opportunities are fewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been so much done downtown. It's become fairly difficult to find hmm. a building downtown that either hasn't been done or doesn't have great difficulties to do in some way. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually looking for opportunities in Roanoke right now because we don't have a really active project in Roanoke right now because mm-hmm. we're so involved in Martinsville because we've got four or five projects going on there. Uh, so I'm looking, got my eyes open right now to opportunities. Uh, one house I've been really intrigued with here lately that may or may not be an opportunity is an, a former mayor of Roanoke that lived on Williamson Road that was a neighbor of mine when I was growing up and mm-hmm. in- instrumental for me because uh, he influenced me uh, as a neighbor and it's Royal Weber. Uh, Royal Weber, you might uh, know of an expressway. I do, yes. named after him. But his house is on Williamson Road. It used to be um, Fantasy Creations. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. Where you go to get your Halloween costumes. Yep. Um, and now it's sitting empty, and I've been envisioning what that can be hmm. going back to its former glory. So uh, keep, keep my fingers crossed that there'll be an opportunity there. Yeah. So. Well, A, what I heard was you need a big challenge for yourself. Right. <laughs> That's what I take away is that, well, those are really nice, but those aren't a big enough challenge for John Garland. <laughs> <laughs> and then two, I love that you're you're really sort of integrating your past with the present of today. You know, your your old neighbors, the places where you grew up and visited and shopped and ate at are now integral pieces of the community because of your inspiration and work behind them. Like that's that's such a full circle wonderful like Roanoke way. Like that is what the Roanoke community is all about, I think in some regard when you're growing up here and you're not quite sure what your path will be and then you look back 20 years later and suddenly, you know, you realize what a big part you've had in it. Well, sometimes I think there's something wrong with me because I'm almost <laughs> too nostalgic because, yeah, I think about the past too much, I think. But uh, one of the things I really enjoy doing is getting on my bike and riding around Roanoke, mm-hmm. and particularly my old neighborhoods, and kind of visualizing what was and what can be. And uh, part of that is going through some of these community villages. So as I ride down Williamson Road, I haven't had an opportunity on Williamson Road yet, but I'm sure would like to have one and that Royal Weber one would be one Mm -hmm. so uh, it's just really enjoyable to me to see to remember what used to be there and the older I get the more I find out that people don't remember anything about what I'm telling them Mm -hmm. uh, because they weren't there right 
so in terms of, you know, you've noted in the piece, your apartment projects are noted for affordability. And you, you mentioned another piece about, you know, you're building <laughs> apartments in places you, you want people to live there, you want them to be, you know, lived in. And so I'm curious about all the work that you put into these buildings and, and the money that goes into it, how you balance the economic aspects of the projects while ensuring they benefit the whole community because you're really, you're not just putting up a building and walking away from it. You're, you have a piece, you have a stake in those things. Well, we look at our investments as kind of a long-term future investment mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to making money right away. And so most of our projects, what we try to do is to make sure the income pays the bills and it kind of breaks even. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of developers aren't looking at development in that way. They want instant gratification and they want their 10% profit from day one. And I can't think of many projects where we've had an instant pro- uh, profit from day one. So uh, the profit comes later on when you pay down the note. And probably for my kids and grandkids, because I probably won't be here when most of the notes are paid off. So um, don't I don't need the income because I'm an old retired guy, you know, on a daily basis. So, again, I'm looking at it for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of interesting when I read articles about some of these new projects coming to town and they say they're affordable projects. And I read it and I say, huh, our project, our rents are less than that. Right, <laughs> so, right. Uh, so affordability gets thrown around a lot, mm-hmm. and what's affordable for one person may not be affordable for another one. Very true. And so we try to make it so uh, they are affordable and that people will live there right away. I think it's important to fill the building up as opposed to being so high that people are wondering where they want to live there and it doesn't fill up quite so quick. Right. So that's the kind of position we take. and. Um, I've, we've been looking at rents here lately because, you know, rents have been rising like mm-hmm. crazy and beyond what uh, I would have ever imagined and, and what is really needed from the developer standpoint. So it has been an opportunity for developers to make more money because the rents are going up. But, you know, we haven't t- kept as close an eye on that. So, you know, I'm looking uh, at comparisons now and it's kind of surprising when I see some of the rents of some of the places that are particularly new ones coming online right. of how and, much the rents and are. And Roanoke, I mean, Roanoke's affordable. Compare, I mean, you've got people who are moving here and, you know, either remote working or in some other capacity um, because they can't afford to live in Northern Virginia or, you know, in another state or whatever. Um, so I think that that's interesting that you're keeping such a close eye on that because you're very aware of, of the, the differences that people have in their lives and what they can and can't afford. Well, that's allowed us to go to places like Martinsville, too, Mm -hmm. where the rents are suppressed. So most developers stay away from that because they know when they're finished, they can only obtain a certain amount of rent. Mm. But the rents that are available in Martinsville work perfectly for our projects. Um, And I mentioned, too, we finished several in Martinsville now, and they filled up instantaneously, and they got very affordable rents. Um, And so... It's probably why we're the only person in Martinsville developing. Right. But think about that. So I, I grew up in Danville, so right down the road. So when I go home to see my mom or I'm coming home, you know, I pass through that area. And so it's it's so important to offer something to that because I have seen it decrease in terms of, you know, population mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the availability and opportunities that are there. And so you helping to redevelop those things, you're trying to bring that community back. And so by allowing people to live there comfortably without, you know, spending their entire paycheck on just rent. That's really important. 
Yeah, most of our project we're working on down in Martinsville now is, uh, you may know the building since you're from that area, but it's the old BB&T Bank building in downtown on Church Street. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Martinsville's only skyscraper, and of course the bank didn't need seven floors anymore, so they built a little uh, uh, drive-up teller uh, building next door, abandoned the BB&T Bank mm-hmm. building, and you know the city acquired it for little or nothing, and uh, we're obtaining that building now and going to turn that into apartments and about 30% commercial, which can be transformational for downtown Martinsville because it's the biggest building and you know what downtown Martinsville struggled with over the years. It becomes a draw though. And and then people start building out around it and want to open their businesses and things like that. So, and I enjoy being in Martinsville and seeing that work and doing that work. Uh, but I'd like a BB&T bank building in Roanoke uh, or something equivalent. (laughs) Looking for that challenge again. Yeah. The article that Dan wrote in the Do You Know mentions the recent resurrection of the old Colonial Elementary School. And so I'm curious about if you could share more about not only the details of this project, but what initially drew you into that. Well, I only had periphery involvement with that project, and I I was involved with it because I knew some of the people that were involved with it. So I was asked to uh, share my expertise and be on their board as they planned the project Mm because they had the opportunity to get the Colonial Elementary School for free from the uh, school board or from the county because it was abandoned because they built a new Colonial Elementary School. So it was just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have an expertise in turning old schools into something new. Uh, this was a lot easier because you're basically turning a school into a school. So <laughs> you didn't have to transform <laughs> it into anything. You just really had to renovate it. So uh we helped them understand the process, you know, lined up some contractors for them, uh, answered all their questions, you know, went to board meetings with them, went to meetings at the county with them. You um, you just said, I didn't have a lot to do with that. And then you're naming like all of these pieces that you very clearly had an important part in. So I think, I think well, you're being modest. <laughs> well, there's a lot to do on these projects and, you know, you know, their struggle was finances and just being able to take this thing to the uh, the end mm-hmm. end game, and another thing that came up that was very fortunate timing wise is when we obtained the BB and T Bank building, uh, it was full of furniture. Hmm. The bank just kind of got up and left. Yeah. So there was lots of furniture that the hmm. school could use. So we filled up a couple of tractor trailers. Uh, furniture and took it to the Columbia That's so Elementary smart school. that you're not just taking that to a landfill and being done with it. Like you, you found a, a repurpose for it. Oh, I hate, I hate to throw sure. things away because, and that's one of the big advantages of historic preservation. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more environmentally friendly than saving an old building, uh, as, as opposed to tearing it down and taking it to the dump. Mm-hmm. So, and these buildings can be repurposed and it just kills me when I see some of these buildings that are very useful. I'll give you another story of a project that we did do on Salem Avenue, which is the old Salvation Army building that Mm -hmm. we now call the Citadel. A friend of mine, a real estate friend of mine, who was on the board of the Salvation Army, gave me a call one day and asked me to come look at the Salvation Army building, which I did, and they had plans to tear it down. They had already done drawings to tear it down. They already Mm -hmm. had a permit. They already had a contractor lined up to tear it down. More than halfway through the process. And it was going to cost them $300,000 to tear it down. And I said, after I thought about it a while, ran some numbers, I said, would you be willing to have me pay you $300,000 to save the building? which they ended up agreeing to. So they were $600,000 a hit, mm-hmm. and we were able to save a beautiful building that's now 17 apartments and 
we turned the chapel that was in there and they had a fellowship hall called the Red Lodge. It's now a church, which made Salvation Army very happy. Mm -hmm. I actually had to sign an agreement and put in the deed that we would not have a bar in the Salvation <laughs> Army building. Well, so, you know, that makes so, sense. <laughs> so that worked out perfect, too, because we got another church in there. So, um, How interesting. So are there any other, again, what you can reveal? I know we've talked about some projects that you you know may want to take a peek at or things that you need to find a challenge in, but are there any other upcoming projects or future plans that you're excited about that you can share with listeners? Well, that would take me to Martinsville because okay. that's where we're actively doing projects. Mm -hmm. uh, we just recently finished a uh, conversion of two schools, the old Fielddale High School, and then it became an elementary school. We turned that into 23 apartments and saved the auditorium, so the auditorium is there for the public use. It happens to be right next door, next door to the uh, community center. So we've the community center is going to operate the auditorium as another public venue, so that worked out really nice. Then we took the John Ridd Smith Elementary School and recently turned that into 39 apartments. It just 39? Opened. Wow, gosh. It just opened, and it's got a gymnasium that we're going to try to use for the, uh, youth sports in the area. So, again, it took a, a building that was just sitting there dead and mm -hmm. brought it back to life. And we're about halfway through an old Winn-Dixie store in downtown uh, Martinsville that's going to be 25 apartments and 11 commercial spaces. Wow on a street that's pretty dead um, although it's category category excuse me across the street from the new college mm -hmm. uh, which is is a vital part of downtown martinsville so uh, we're looking forward to getting that one finished and then i mentioned the bb and t project mm -hmm. and we get a couple of the buildings it's uh martinsville's like roanoke 25 years ago you know there's just lots of opportunities to mm -hmm. find buildings so uh that's where we're concentrating our time right now. But again, I want to get back to Roanoke and yeah. have one here. Well, and I love, you know, again, we've kind of touched on this, but all the projects that you're talking about, it's for the most part, not just apartments. It's also a community space. You're talking about bringing in youth sports or, or a gym or a church or, you know, and so I think that that's really critical that, yes, you're offering a space to live in, but you're also offering a space for other members of the community to come in and participate in some way. And so that's a really important part of how you build the community and how you grow it and how you find people who are inspired to do more of what you're doing. So that way your legacy continues on. Well, that's the, the spaces that we save, that's part of the process too, because when you get an old school that has a big gym in it. Uh, what do you, you do with that space? Yeah, right. And the historic uh, reviewers and myself, we don't want to take that gym and make it something else mm -hmm. we, you know it's a gym so let it be a gym or the auditorium you know it's, it'd be very difficult to turn an auditorium into anything else particularly slope floors mm -hmm. so you leave it as an opportunity for uh what can be used for in the community and the one in fielddale worked out beautifully having that community center next door and they were thrilled about it sure we just finished installing the overhead projector so we can show movies on what used to be the proscenium for the stage is is now a wall. So I didn't want to assume, but I thought that would make a good movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And so is there anything that maybe we haven't covered that you'd like to cover just before we head out? Well. <laughs> we've covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, we've covered a lot. Um, if anybody knows of a building and needs to be rehabbed in a former community village. Yep, you call uh, John Garland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, give me a call. That's great. And so the last question, usually our bonus question for everybody, uh, you've mentioned your sons and your grandbabies. Where are you going? Where are you taking them? Eating, 
playing, doing in the region? What do you love to do when you're not working on historic buildings? Well, we like local businesses, you know, and we like them in community villages. So I certainly like R&D Coffee mm-hmm. in Wasina, and I like the Bloom to go out and eat. Uh, I love the Bloom. Uh, Little Green Hive mm-hmm. uh, is fantastic. You know, they're growing. You know, they started out in our building down at uh, S&W Cafeteria, mm-hmm. so we really enjoy that. So patronizing some of the ones in our uh, facilities is always nice. Um, and... What else? I'm missing something. I know. I know I'm leaving somebody out. No, that's uh, all right. You'll think about it. Yeah. I actually have one more question for you, though, as an architect and what you're doing. Not counting your own buildings, what are one or a couple of your favorite buildings in Roanoke? Well, Dan Smith just actually asked me that because he's <laughs> writing an article on architecture and some of the favorite buildings. That's also for the May-June issue, just the no. So <laughs> readers can pop yeah. it and learn more of your. Yeah. But I'm curious about what you think about well, the difficulty is coming up with a new building I like because mm-hmm. I, I like old buildings. You so. can name an old building, too. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> well, as far as old building historic preservation, it's probably my favorite is the Higher Education Center. Mm-hmm. Second to that would be Center and Square. And the reason I like those the most is because both of them are transformational for the community. Absolutely. The Higher Education Center in particular was an education and a catalyst for what was to come. Mm-hmm. And the city did it, and they did it purposely for – teaching people about tax credits and ha- that rehabs could be successful. Hmm. And uh, it was very successful, still successful, and brought all these colleges and universities to Roanoke. Such a beautiful building. And again, the ripple effect that we're seeing off of that is not just what's currently in the building. It's the students coming to learn. It's them taking those efforts and branching them out into the community. I mean, that's that's a ripple effect that, I mean, will be years and years to come. And it's sort of like West End of Roanoke. When we did our first project there, which was the Electra, which was 631 Campbell Avenue, people would say, you going up there to do it? <laughs> Is anybody going to want to move up there? And again, it filled up before we finished construction, mm-hmm. and then it served as a catalyst, and now everybody's wanting to do something in West End. And just that announcement yesterday, you know, <clears throat> where they're going to take the empty lot on Norfolk and 8th Street and turn it into, what, 170-some affordable apartments i mean who would have thought yeah in an industrial area beside a concrete plant that you know someone would want to do that well i think it sounds like if john garland builds it they will come so (laughs) you got to be careful (laughs) because actually one of my first projects john garland built it and nobody came so (laughs) that was a test run (laughs) yeah that was in rocky mount uh so we had had some trouble with that one but we didn't give up and well i think that's the key right and now look at you (laughs) Perfect. Well, John, thank you so much for being on From Print to Podcast today, sharing more, and for being on our Jan Feb issue of our Do You Know column with Dan Smith. We really appreciate you. I enjoyed it. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for what you're doing for the community, and keep up the great work. And uh, if you have an eye on a building that you need to learn more about, go talk to John Garland. He's on the hunt for a great building in Roanoke. You can learn more about John and his work throughout the region in our latest issue, or you can head over to our website at theroanoker.com. Thanks so much to our friends T. Fox and Alice Clark at British Swim School of Roanoke-Lynchburg and John Garland for being on the second episode of our second season of From Print Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode highlighting our March-April issue, where we introduce you to some seriously inspiring women, including Hootenhaller's Lee Hunsaker, 20 women over 50 who are redefining the next stage of life, women leading the way in technology, and so many more. Don't miss out on a single episode. Hit that subscribe button on your preferred audio platforms and YouTube to stay connected and always read more at theroanoker.com.